0: You are Locked On Redskins. Your daily Washington Redskins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, Team every Everyday. We everyday, every
1: We have a lunatic named Chris Russell that works for this radio station. I'm yeah, sure you know f- that guy. I'm sure you're familiar. I'm curious what your opinion is on him.
0: Well, <laughs> never really like Chris, you? Yeah. Really anybody at the media at all. Everybody who shreds me in the media, I'm not a big fan of. But, but No, Chris has always been pretty fair. I like Chris.
1: All right, guys, we welcome you in. It is episode number 144 of the Locked on Redskins podcast. Good to have you aboard with us. Uh, this is the Weekend Edition. I'm Chris Russell. You can follow me on Twitter at Wrestlemania621, at Wrestlemania621. You can follow the Locked on Redskins podcast at Locked Redskins, at Locked Redskins. Um, just drop the on at Locked Redskins, and as well, make sure you give a follow to at Locked on NFL Net on Twitter and on Instagram, uh, and you can get the biggest stories all across the NFL, breaking news, game updates, injuries, everything, fantasy information, stats, everything, at Locked on NFL Net on Twitter, at Locked on NFL Net as well on Instagram. All right, so we have a jam packed weekend edition, as we always do. Coming up, we'll have our Sunday six-pack, six games against the NFL spread, including the Redskins and the Jaguars, our eye on the enemy segment, uh, which is a statistical look at the Jacksonville Jaguars as well. We will go inside the Redskins locker room, actually the press conference room, and hear from defensive coordinator Greg Minuski, who is certainly under the Fire, if you will. But it is Josh Johnson's first start with the Redskins and first start in the NFL in forever. As everyone knows, it has been quite the journey, quite the odyssey. Earlier this week, he met with the media at Redskins Park and talked about his journey from the Bay Area and every point in between to Washington, D.C., and eventually on Sunday on the way to Jacksonville.
2: I don't know if you can put into words what this journey has been like for you just all the stops and starts you've had out in your career how has that maybe helped the quarterback you are now
3: Um it it has helped because I've been around a lot of different quarterbacks a couple Super Bowl quarterbacks uh Hall of Fame quarterback uh first round picks uh fifth round picks I've seen I've experienced coaching from numerous of coaches, and you you pick up on some common traits, you pick up on different things, and uh, where you can apply it when necessary, whether it be with preparation, performance, uh, mental stability, uh, everything. I mean, it kind of comes, it's kind of like coming full circle to what's getting me ready for Sunday.
2: How hard was it to maintain your confidence during the period? Not
3: hard. It's not really hard for me because, I mean, End of the day, always reflect back on reality for myself. Uh, growing up in Oakland, California, uh, I understand the real struggle, and I understand the mentality that we tend to have in the, in the city. And uh, for me, not only am I setting an example of what resilience is, I, I can't tell a younger kid, can't tell my own kid, to how, to how important it is to keep their mind in something if my actions don't reflect that. So they kind of hold me accountable as well when I interact with the youth, because it's important
0: for me to practice what I preach. Josh, it's one thing to stay in physical shape, but quarterback is so much about the decisions that you make. How do you stay ready to be mentally sharp and, and read a defense and do all that stuff that is hard to do outside of a football practice when you're not on a team?
3: I um, could watch football. I got an old film that I study at the home. Uh, one thing one of my coaches taught me, ironically, it was Jay brother. When I first got in the league, was keep a manual on coaches, keep a manual on how the league is moving, and just always stay updated. And I kind of did that, whether it be with footwork, whether it be with anything. So uh, even when I'm at home and I'm working out with the younger kids, I'm putting them in situations that I'm going to experience out here. It might not be that exact same thing. They might not, they don't even know what they're doing sometimes, the but they're learning. But it's also helping me if I ever get put in this position. And by the grace of God, I'm here down with this opportunity.
0: Did the game feel fast at all on Sunday when you got in there? Uh, it felt felt like football.
3: Uh, There're gonna be it's gonna be some things that you don't expect. It's gonna be some things that you could do better. But at the end of the day, it kind of felt like football.
1: In, in terms of the uh, verbiage and formations and everything that you might have gathered when you played for for Gruden years ago in
3: Cincinnati, how much of it is the same, and how much has that helped you? Um, it, it's helped me a lot because, <laughs> ironically, like. Jay yelled at me enough out there to where it kind of stuck in my head on certain things, on how he want things done. And so stepping back in here there is kind of eased my way through the, the little things a little bit better. Uh, there are some things that have changed. Uh, but, like, again, my journey has put me in so many different systems. I've learned a, a, a huge amount of football from a lot of great football minds, So it's just kind of, you know, just relearning another language at the end of the day concepts are concepts uh you got to really get focused on your teammates and really learn those guys that's what kind of differentiate each team but i mean it's only so many plays you can run in the world
0: you talked about keeping a manual about how the game changes and and players change how would you say things have changed since your last start uh it's more wide open game
3: uh it's a lot more catered to spread offenses uh when i came up i even I, didn't, I never even got in shotgun until third down in college. High school, I was never in shotgun. Um, I had to learn how to throw out a shotgun once I got in the league because the game was transforming a little bit to that. So, I mean, obviously got a lot of young quarterbacks, college game is kind of catered to a spread offense. So, um, really just keeping up with that and then working it, just working in any way possible, man. Just try to be as resourceful I can, whether it be with another human being, whether it be with my own old film, whether it be with, even with a video game. Every little thing helps.
0: <laughs> How do those changes impact your game? Are you better suited, worse suited?
3: Um, end of the day, uh, I always felt like if a coach can get me to understand why I'm doing it, I, I have the ability to go out there and do it. I've always had that confidence about myself. It's just really now and getting out there and repping it and going out there and do it. My game is going to be my game regardless. I can't really be anybody else. Um, so now that I have the opportunity to just play my game, uh, it's pretty cool. <laughs> so then you say, if a coach can explain it to me so I understand it, is Jay that guy for you? Uh, We've worked together. We've had a good working relationship. Uh, we went to the playoffs that year in Cincinnati. Uh, I performed well in preseason. So I always had a comfortability in his system. Uh, he got a head coaching job after that, which he deserved. And uh, he's, he's, I mean, he's been winning since he got here. and. Uh, to come back in and, and kind of experience similar coaching and being in something that I've been comfortable with before, uh, it's kind of a blessing for me because I don't really have to go through the ringers of a coach really trying to figure me out. It's just more just figuring me in, you know?
0: Josh, uh, obviously there's some challenges here getting to up to speed and all that, getting to know everyone, but uh, what kind of challenge does it present having to play a pretty good defense in Jacksonville here in your first game?
3: Honestly, man, it's not. To me, that's the beauty of sports, like, as a pro athlete, as a kid, you want to be out there. I've been a backup for so long, I think you understand. Like, just in having this opportunity is more and more special than the challenges that are ahead. It's, I'm excited that we playing this great defense. I'm excited we playing against these talented corners, this pass rush, these linebackers. It's a great test. And you wouldn't I wouldn't have it any other way to get an opportunity going against somebody that you have to earn it. And you got to go out there and prove that you deserve to be on this field. It's kind of what I've been asking for. So, I mean, by the grace of God, he's given me the opportunity to prove my worth and prove your worth versus a great defense as a competitor. What else can you ask for?
2: Josh, you brought up being from Oakland, inner city and all that, how much does your work ethic is how much of that is shaped by what you saw your mom have to work and still works? Um. To,
3: to me, it's just reality. Uh, one thing I've always appreciated I mean, I went to a non scholarship school, I had to work jobs, so I never, I didn't get a scholarship. Nothing was ever given to me, and to me, my life but what I've experienced is kind of common. We probably all experience trials and tribulations in our career fields, in our life, trying to get ahead, want to do, wanting to get ahead, wanting to be at the top. But I mean, one thing that's consistent, not everybody's at the top at the same time. So you just really got to be patient, wait your turn. But if, if you really want it and you really love it, you're going to put in the work. And so that at the end of the day, when you give an opportunity, you could say, I did what I was supposed to do to take care of my business. So, I mean, I look at everything I went through in Oakland is real life. And that's what all of a lot of people go through. So when I had the opportunity to go out here and play a game that only maybe 2000 people get the opportunity to do, there ain't nothing to complain about. This is, this is like going to Disneyland every day for me, for real. Because just a week ago, I was at home in the hood, chilling with the kids, chilling with my family, looking on the couch, possibly thinking I might not never play the NFL again. But a week later, look at me now, I'm here starting with a great opportunity to get us a victory this Sunday in Jacksonville. I'm excited about that.
1: All right, so that is Redskins quarterback Josh Johnson, again, making the start after an impressive fourth quarter. Granted, it was a 40-0 game against the Giants. Led a couple of touchdown drives, a couple of two-point conversions. Certainly spry with his legs, did have a bad interception in the end zone, so we'll see what he Can do against the Jacksonville Jaguars. When we return here on the weekend edition of the Locked on Redskins podcast. Episode number 144. We'll hear from defensive coordinator. The embattled. The troubled. Greg Minuski plus our Eye on the Enemy segment. Good to have you with us. Hope you're having a great weekend. On Locked on Redskins. All right guys. It is good to have you with us. This is the Locked on Redskins podcast. Episode number 144. The weekend edition. Now let's... Go back to Redskins Park on Thursday. Defensive coordinator Greg Minuski certainly under fire. Many expecting him to get fired earlier this week. He did not. Jay Gruden picked him over Wade Phillips and over others. Uh, Jay Gruden has uh, chosen to align himself uh, certainly with people that he is very familiar with and comfortable with and friendly with. Actually, he didn't know Minuski uh, really well at all when he first joined the organization. uh, This was... Uh, kind of an arranged marriage that kind of grew uh, as they worked together in their first year with Minuski as an assistant. But Minuski under fire now after two years as the defensive coordinator with the defense's collapse.
0: When you look back at the first half from Sunday, what were some of the, the big things that stood out that you tried to clean up and successfully didn't to, to a point in the second half and obviously you are trying to take forward?
2: Yeah, it's, it's a run fits. I think, uh, you know, the biggest thing. Very good back. You know, we knew that going into the game. We had to stop the run. Uh, we didn't get it done in certain situations. Um, you know, the biggest thing for us is trying to get those backs, those big backs down, uh, and sometimes the run fits. We didn't hit them the way we wanted to, and it uh, wasn't a good uh, first half.
1: For tackling, you said earlier in the year that, you know, guys have to kind of swarm the ball
3: and I'll be there at once. Is there a reason why that that's not as consistent Recently, well, I think uh,
2: you know just overall, you know, consistency of swarming to the ball is is major. You know, what I'm saying the National Football League, uh, we didn't get it done. You know, we got to do a better job of a uh, better job in the coaching aspect, and and same thing on the field. We got to make sure that we get those big players down. Playing a running back like that this week, you know, good running back, big body guy that could uh, hit it right downhill, and we got to make sure that we uh, tackle them in space, tackle them in the box, and just hone them into that box area. Greg, I feel like we've asked this question a couple weeks in a row and still trying to figure it out. I mean, what's the biggest change that you've seen considering
3: you guys still have most of the same guys? You know, Quentin's out, but it's most of the same guys that were really successful earlier in the season. So trying to figure out what's the difference now.
2: Uh, I, You know, I I, I I wish I had a, a – I could put my finger on it, you know, across the board. But I, I think we got to keep on practicing, you know, keep on preaching the tackling, the angles to the ball and uh, swarming to the ball, you know, because I think uh, – those things, you know, eventually we got to make sure we take hold of in these next three weeks that we're playing, uh, because you never know what's going to happen.
0: How much input do you take from guys like DJ Mason, the leaders on this defense, as they've expressed frustration in various forms uh, about how things have gone recently? How much, how much do you talk to them and try to maybe even implement some of their thoughts into what you're doing?
2: Well, I think it's it's, it's important to talk to those guys and see what their their feelings are, you know, across the board. Uh, Want to do the best that we can. Uh, But as coaches, you know, we're having our game plan. And sometimes we'll get some adjustments. And uh, if those adjustments need to be made, uh, we'll make some adjustments at times, you know, based upon not so much what they say, but, you know, sometimes they bring light to certain things uh, that we as coaches sometimes don't see. And sometimes we'll implement some of the stuff that they do say, you know, into the game plan. Not so much from a call perspective, but sometimes of a leverage kind of stuff.
3: How do you think uh, Sean Deion Hamilton played?
2: Uh, I think he played okay. You know, first game in the National Football League, uh, you know, in the regular season, you know, can he play better? I think, yeah, you know, all of us can. And uh, we got to make sure we do it this week. You know, we got an opponent that I think uh, we got to get after and uh, swarm to the ball. How is Jonathan and uh, Deron holding up endurance wise? You know, they're young guys. Is, are, has that caught up to them a, li- a little bit in a long season? I think you know playing at Alabama the years that they played, you know they played a decent amount of games, so I think overall you know it's it's a it's a grind all every time that you're playing in the National Football League from uh, the start to finish. you know you always got nixes, bruises, things here and there, but uh you know for the most part they've been playing pretty good.
0: How hard is it at this point in the season with limited practice time and want to keep guys fresh too, not just practice your game plan during the week, but nail down back on maybe some of the day one type of or OTA type of fundamentals of playing to the right shoulder, playing the right leverage, things like that that have been problems on some of these bigger plays.
2: Yeah, I think that's very important, you know. But, uh, you know, from a practice standpoint, you got uh, so many reps. You know, I think, uh, you know, with the walkthroughs and stuff, you try to get that and try to get it the right fits. And then uh, during practice, it's pretty much – you know, you don't have as many plays as you normally did in the beginning of the season or during training camp, but uh, you try to focus on that and try to talk about it. It's, it's very important.
0: When you're studying the Jaguars and Leonard Fournette, he hasn't been having the same kind of season yet as his rookie his rookie campaign, but uh, how does he compare to some of the other top running backs you've all had to face this year?
2: A big, big cat that could really see the field, you know what I'm saying? You know, a good downhill runner that can strike. And, uh, you know, he's got that explosive speed to get around the edge. So, uh, you know, from last year to this year, uh, you know, he's still a good running back. I know he was uh, out for a little bit of time, but I'm just saying from our standpoint, I think he's a good running back.
1: All right, so that is defensive coordinator Greg Minuski meeting with the media earlier this week uh, and reporters at Redskins Park. Thanks to Redskins Audio, Charlie Broyhill, Craig Hoffman as well, for sending that along. Now it's time for our Sunday six-pack. Six games against the NFL spread, including the Redskins and the Jaguars. Let's get to it right away. The Baltimore Ravens at 7-6 after that tough, heartbreaking loss in overtime at Arrowhead to the Kansas City Chiefs. I'll take them hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who, yes, at 5-8 and eight and showing some signs of life, I suppose, but we all know that the Tampa defense has struggled all year. We all know that the quarterback situation is uh, volatile. Let's say that for the Buccaneers in terms of turnovers. We know that the Ravens' defense is pretty good. They're sticking with Lamar Jackson over Joe Flacco. Looks like Lamar Jackson and Joe Flacco will be the two active ones. I'll take the Ravens at home at 7-6 and six minus the 7 over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Game number two in our Sunday six pack hits the eight and five Cowboys traveling on the road to the seven and six Indianapolis Colts. The Colts, you know, obviously can be a good team. Uh, they can be a bad team, as we saw a couple of weeks ago in a six nothing shutout loss at Jacksonville, which of course is where the Redskins go on Sunday. But they're at home. But yet, this Cowboy team feels like they are certainly hitting their stride right at the right time. Uh, certainly they struggled to get past Philadelphia and had opportunities to kind of put them away and didn't. Uh, but, you know, this Colt offense to me is not what the Eagle offense uh, can be when it's clicking. And even though the Colts are at home and, again, at 7-6 and six here and the Cowboys are due for a bad one, a clunker, I like the Cowboy defense with those fast linebackers uh, that they have and the deep defensive line and the secondary has played much better than I thought. Uh, so I think they give Andrew Luck and the Colts a little bit of a uh, fit, a little trouble here. Even though it's in Indianapolis, I'll go the Cowboys at eight and five plus the three. Game number three in our NFL Sunday six pack. I'll take the four and nine Buffalo Bills and my guy Lorenzo Alexander plus the two plus the two at home. I'm sorry, minus the two minus the two at home against Matt Patricia and the Detroit Lions. This ain't New England anymore, Matty P. At 5-8, and eight. the Bills. Yeah, Josh Allen's played pretty well. He's certainly far from refined as a passer. Very athletic, very mobile, can break you down and make some plays with his legs, much like the Redskins hope that Josh Johnson can in their game. Game number four in our Sunday six-pack, I'll take the 9-4 and four Chicago Bears. The Bears minus the 6 over Aaron Rodgers, and the 5 and 7 Green Bay Packers now, the Bears with a very good defensive performance last Sunday night I don't know if you can expect that again uh of course against Jared Goff, Sean McVay and the LA Rams but that Rams offense clearly much better um you don't know again if that carries over from week to week but Clearly, the Green Bay defense has not. Uh, the Green Bay offense has not really scared anybody this year. We already know what's happened to McCarthy. We already know that Aaron Rodgers has struggled. That's a physical defense that I expect to get after uh, that Green Bay offensive line at home at Soldier. I'll take the Bears in this rivalry game minus the six over the Packers, and that would certainly help the Redskins out if the Redskins could ever get their act in gear. Because again, Green Bay is one of those teams on the outside looking in of the wild card chase as are the Redskins and, of course, the Carolina Panthers. Uh, Game five, the Steelers at home against Tom Brady. Tom Brady and the New England Patriots at 9-4 after that heartbreaking Miami miracle loss. Second consecutive road game. This is normally where you would pick the Patriots, right? They usually have great resolve in spots like this. They usually are tough mentally. they usually don't make mistakes. Uh, I think this is a little bit of a different Patriot team, quite honestly. Uh, I think they've made some glaring mistakes uh, along the way and lost some games, obviously, uh, That and just done some weird things that we don't kind of expect them to do. Uh, clearly, every year, every team, every situation is different. The Steelers are desperate. Uh, they've lost three games in a row at Denver, San Diego at home, and last week at Oakland, a lot of long road trips, a lot of heartbreaking last-second closes and finishes, uh, blown lead at halftime against uh, the L.A. Chargers. I think I called them the San Diego Chargers. But anyway, you get the point. Uh, so they're 7-5. and five. They just haven't looked the same since blowing out Carolina a couple of Thursday nights ago. I'll take the Steelers at home minus the three in a must-win desperate game uh, for Pittsburgh. Again, we mentioned uh, the Ravens are seven and six. so I'll take the Steelers minus the three at home against the nine and four uh, Patriots. And then final game on our Sunday six pack. I'm gonna go with the Redskins plus the seven and a hook plus the seven and a five against the jaguars this to me is a slap in the face and insult i know the redskins have lost four in a row i know they're on quarterback number four and josh johnson the jaguars stink they're four and nine they just got shredded on the ground by derrick henry uh, a week ago for 230 plus yards including a 99 yard touchdown run they're on their backup quarterback and cody kessler yes they're at home Uh, they have their fifth string offensive tackle in there Uh, they've lost all sorts of receivers between uh, Allen Robinson and Marcus and and Allen Hearns in free agency. Marquise Lee before the season to a torn ACL. Uh, they've they, they've got some depth there, but it really hasn't kind of uh, worked out for them this year. Maybe because of the quarterback situation. Yes, they have Leonard Fournette. Uh, But they're really thin on their offensive line. So I'm going to take the Redskins in a must-win game for the Redskins plus the 7.5 against the Jaguars, who, again, are 7.5-point favorites and are 4-9 and and eliminated from the playoff race. That tells you what Vegas thinks of the Redskins for whatever that's worth. I'll take Washington plus the 7.5. So the Ravens minus the 7 over the Bucs. Cowboys plus the 3 over the Colts. Bills minus the two over the Detroit Lions. Bears minus the six over the Green Bay Packers. Steelers minus the three over the Patriots and the Redskins. Plus the seven and a half over the Jacksonville Jaguars. When we come back here on the Locked on Redskins podcast, episode number 144. We will finish it up with our Eye on the Enemy segment. Our Eye on the Enemy segment is coming up. Next, Thanks for being with us. Hope you're having a great weekend. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. Don't forget, at WrestleMania 61, at Locked Redskins, and at Locked on NFL Net for all of your NFL breaking news, alerts, injuries, fantasy stats, and matchup information. You can't live without it. All right, guys, we welcome you back. It is episode number 144 of the Locked On Redskins podcast. Again, I hope you're having a great weekend. I'm Chris Russell, your host. Uh, Thanks for checking us out. And, uh, again, the Redskins and the Jaguars coming up from, I believe it's called now TIAA Field in Jacksonville. It used to be Everbank Field. Uh, They seemingly changed the corporate name down there. Um, Either way, it should be a pretty sterile atmosphere. I don't expect many Redskins or Jaguars fans there, uh, probably in the neighborhood of 35 Uh, to 40,000. Let's get a look at the Eye on the Enemy segment as we do each and every weekend edition, a statistical look at the upcoming opponent. Uh, The Jaguars on offense are 28.2 yards per game below the league average, only averaging 329 yards per game. They're more than a half yard below the yards per play league average. Rushing yards per game just below 107.3, obviously having Fournette back that helps, but he missed such a big chunk uh, of the season. Rushing yards per play, the uh, you know, and they still have Carlos Hyde. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, well below the league average at four point zero eight per play. The passing yards per game, two twenty one point seven. That's twenty one point four below. The league average, well below in the passing yards per play, right around the league average and in terms of interception rate. Sacks per pass attempt, this is where I think the Redskins can make a little bit of hay. Told you about a lot of injuries up the middle and a tackle for the Jaguars. Sacks per pass attempt, uh, almost .90 above, above the league average for the Jacksonville Jaguars. In the red zone. They're 48.28%. That's well below the league average of 59.6%. On third down, they're above the league average. So that's something the Redskins have to look out for. They average 30 minutes and 33 seconds worth of time of possession. Here's the big one. They are 7.5 points, which ironically is the line spread or the spread, 7.5 points behind the league average in terms of points per game at 238 I'm sorry, at 16.3 with the league average at 23.8. Quickly flipping the script, on defense, the Jacksonville Jaguars are only allowing 324.1 yards per game. The league average, 357.2, so that's uh, a a pretty good number, obviously, 33.1 below the league average. Below in yards per play overall, so that's good for the Jaguars, not good for the Redskins. A little bit higher than the league average for rushing yards allowed per game at 120 Point four certainly inflated from last week with Derrick Henry. Same thing, a little bit above in rushing yards per play, passing yards per game. This is where Josh Johnson is really going to struggle uh, against A.J. Boye uh, and as well Jalen Ramsey. They are 40 yards per game below the league average. The Jaguars at 203.7. That's tremendous. And passing yards per play, 6.35 yards per play. The league average just under 7 at point. 9-8. Clearly, interceptions and turnovers will be a thing as they always are. Now, the Jaguars don't really get uh and, and have much of a pass rush, despite having Yannick Ngakwe and Calais Campbell and Malik Jackson. They are well below in sacks per pass attempt. On third down, the Jaguars are just below the league average at 38.1 uh percent. I'm sorry, just uh just above the league average, 38.1%. Uh, percent for the Jaguars on third down. Fourth down percentage, check this out. Jacksonville is only allowing 18.1% of the time for teams to convert whenever they go for it on fourth down. The league average, again, is 56.6, which is just an absurd disparity. And points per game, the Jaguars, very good in the goal-to-go situations, the Jaguars allowing 21.0, even Points per game, again, the league average at 23.8. All right, that's our Eye on the Enemy segment, and that is our episode number 144 of the Locked on Redskins podcast, the weekend edition. Again, our Sunday six-pack. In case you missed that, go back, check it out. All of our picks against the spread. Well, six games, should say, against the spread, including the Redskins-Jaguars. As well, we heard from Greg Minuski, and as well, we heard from Redskins starting quarterback Josh Johnson. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Hope you're having a great weekend. Enjoy the game, or try to enjoy the game. We'll be back late Sunday night with episode number 145 of the Locked on Redskins podcast. Adios.